Welcome to the Pharos Fit Podcast, where we help you to explore your capacity to move better, push further, and achieve your limitless potential through fitness, nutrition, recovery, and lifestyle. Hey guys, welcome back to the Pharos Fit Podcast. Uh, part two of this kind of autobiographical piece that we've been working on. Um, and it's going to start kind of around 2010, 2009, 2010. Uh, this was a pretty significant time for me. Um, I, I call it kind of like the wind of change moment. Um, I've been training, uh, as we talked about in the last podcast, for, for a number of years, you know, pretty much nonstop since I was 15. Um, doing kind of classic bodybuilding type stuff. Um, uh, I'd taken up uh, boxing as well. Um, kind of in my you know, early mid twenties, um, was doing a fair amount of that, but there was definitely something, you know, lacking in my training. I think everybody goes through that that time in their training where they're, they're to a degree bored or they're, they're experiencing some boredom with their training and they want a new challenge, they want something new, something fresh, something to give themselves a new stimulus, uh, and to, to keep motivated and keep interested in training. And um, I think it was, I think the feeling that I was feeling was something that was happening in general across, you know, the fitness spectrum. I think a lot of people were, were kind of feeling that, that we're ready for something new. And around this time, uh, 2010, 2009, uh, 2009, 2010, was really when CrossFit was really taking off in the UK. And also when I first kind of learned about Jim Jones and my, my kind of journey with them started. Um, in terms of training, um, a lot of us in the gym, uh, like I said before, we're doing kind of like classic bodybuilding stuff. We're doing a lot of machine stuff. Um, you know, ways to get stronger, ways to build muscle. Um, I've been doing a lot of stuff uh, by a guy called Charles Staley called EDT, Escalated Density Training. Um, which was a higher intensity form of bodybuilding, which uh, I really enjoyed. And it kind of set me up for uh, what was to come in the kind of like the CrossFit and, and Jim Jones uh, way of training. Um, I remember distinctly um, doing an interview in, uh, I think, 2009 uh, with a guy called Darren Brown. And I was, I was, at this point was the the personal training manager for a company called gym box in the uk and uh, i was trying to hire new pts and i was doing interviews and more and more people were, were coming in and saying yeah I'm, I'm i'm i've been doing crossfit and i was you know kind of interested in what they were what they were saying about crossfit and um i interviewed this guy darren he he said oh, i'm about to do this this jim jones seminar I said, at that point i had no idea who jim jones were and he was like oh, they're the guys that train the actors for the 300 movie. Um, and I was like, oh. Um, at that point, and I don't recall whether I'd seen the 300 at that, that point. I, I think I had, but I, I knew what it was. And I knew kind of the look and the the, the, the aesthetic of the actors. And, and it was obviously a, a huge phenomenon at the time. Um, so I was super interested in that. I was super uh, intrigued by what he was telling me, and I actually signed up for the for the same seminar that, that, that he was doing. Um, and obviously, at that point, I went off and I did a little bit of research into into Jim Jones and, and, and the, the way that we're doing things and why it was different uh, and what um, you know. There are a lot of parallels at the time with CrossFit and the difference between the two and all that kind of thing. But you know, I didn't really know too much about it until I went to the seminar. Now, it's funny because now seminars became, over the years, a very kind of like polished uh, polished thing. Like you knew exactly when you were turning up, when the breaks were, it was all very organized. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like that in the beginning. Well, if you um, went to any seminar for anything in real life, it was in some airport lobby room. This, this was in, oh God, I can't even remember the, the name. Emerald of the Emerald Room of the Holiday Inn on a Saturday yeah, exactly. morning. It was some place in, in South London, <laughs> in some old like kettlebell gym, uh, a great gym. It was like one of those just old school, like kettlebell slash weightlifting gyms. It was no frills, um, but they had a bunch of boxes and a bunch of kettlebells, a bunch of barbells, like everything you need to do, like that kind of a kind of functional 
workout. And, um, you know, as with them, any seminar, you show up, you don't know who's going to show up. You're kind of looking around like, what are these people here for? What mm-hmm. kind of experience do they have? Um, and you kind of go into it with a little bit of apprehension and a little bit of like ego and a little bit of like comparison and all that kind of bullshit. Um, so I remember being there. There were a few, a few couple of other people I knew on the, on the seminar, uh, which was good. Um, you know, we were all there for the same thing. We were just there to learn and because we were interested and kind of fascinated by the whole thing. And, you know, we were kind of intrigued by what uh, time it was Mark and Rob uh, who, were, who were running the seminar, what they had to say and what their experience was. And people wanted to know about the 300 movie and all that kind of stuff because people always wanted about the, the Hollywood type stuff. Um, but, you know, my, my main takeaway from the seminar was how exposed I was. You know, like I said, I've been boxing, I've been bodybuilding, I'm doing all this kind of stuff. Um, I thought I was pretty fit. But I remember being at that seminar and immediately feeling very unfit for what I had to do in that seminar. Now, I wasn't that unfit. I was like, you know, I was decently placed in the the group. Um, But it was definitely, definitely a shock to my system. And it was like, oh, fuck, I'm I'm in trouble here. Like, Mm -hmm. I haven't felt like this in a while. Um, and I was kind of like, um, you know, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that feeling of like, fuck, what's happening to my body? Like, I feel like I'm, I'm shaking. My hamstrings are shaking. My my body feels terrible. It's always the hamstrings. Um, We're never yeah. taught proper hamstring shit. Um, and yeah, just just that that feeling of like in deep waters and um, what 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 is this shit? And, and it was like, I get you know, it it was that feeling that you you get now that you know when you do a hard metcon and your your heart's racing and your muscles are shaking and you're you know you're pushing your body to its limits and you're 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 taking your body to a very uncomfortable place um in that kind of like power endurance sense that mm-hmm. uh, like i said at the time we just 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 hadn't been doing that kind of work um so i remember you know enjoying that kind of a pain um and if you know if you're into this stuff you'll you'll know it's kind of a sick fascination with like how bad can i make myself feel your whole and, your whole nervous system's like shaking and right. demanding and pulling and you're like yeah, oh my god it's it, it's 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 a love hate relationship between not wanting to feel like that but absolutely craving it because you you know it's that sensation of um of just going pushing your body to extremes and then recovering and and, and getting fitter like that um so i think it was a i think it was a two-day seminar back then and um, I remember at the, at the end of the end of the seminar, thinking this is going to change everything for me. This, I'm going to change my training. I'm going to I'm going to integrate this more in my training, and I'm going to um, you know I'm going to change change the way I do things for myself and for my clients. And and, and I did. Um, from that point, you know, functional training became like a you know a watchword at the time. Um, everyone hates the term functional training because it's become this like you know this nonsensical wishy-washy like a hashtag. hashtag you can slap it on anything slap it on anything it's a horrible term somebody's bench um, pressing they can put functional training on there right right but um what i will say about it is all, all it me- meant for me was doing more you know doing more compound pound movements doing more all body movements like we were doing you know we were squatting more deadlifting more overhead squatting more turkish get-ups all that kind of stuff box jumps you know all stuff that was you know pre pre 2007 no one was doing you know so, so much uh, and then you have to you have to kind of take your hats off to to to, to crossfit and, and people like jim jones who are bringing you know those real primary lifts back into the fold like the squats and the deadlifts and the, and the big compound lifts and the olympic lift variations the athletic lift, lift variations um and um, yeah they, they really put it back back in the the the, the forefront of the gym and, and the way that we train and it was it was it was it was perfect for me because it was exactly what I was looking for. It was the new stimulus. It was new people. It was a, it was a new environment to be to be involved in, and um, and my, my relationship with with Jim Jones started from that point. Um, and I was pretty much in like I was pretty much sold on this. I was like, this is the this is what I'm going to do. This is going to be this is going to be what, what my training looks like for the next you know however long. And, um, and I started using a lot of it and I, you know, it kind of paralleled because I was still, I was still doing a lot of the Poliquin stuff at the time, which I also loved. Um, and I, I'd started integrating some CrossFit stuff in my training 
and people always asked like what was the difference between crossfit and jim jones and you know people love to start an argument and they're saying well crossfit's better than jim jones or jim jones is better than crossfit at the end of the day it's just all the same shit just no one we don't need to go there yeah don't do that yeah yeah In, in certain ways i think in the beginning um you know i think at jim jones we focused more on um doing things for time is not necessarily better doing things for quality is is a lot of the time better uh, and i think you know in the beginning just stuff like there's no point doing a bunch of olympic lifts for time if you don't know how to do an olympic lift <laughs> so you know it was there was certainly i think a bigger emphasis emphasis on um find the problem fix the problem as in um you know what are we trying to do how do we achieve it successfully and what's the risk versus the reward um, is there a better way to do this um, is there a way that makes more more strength is there a way that from a strength conditioning perspective um has more uh research behind it um, i'd say it was more more rooted in traditional strength conditioning uh than than perhaps crossfit um but you know there are a ton of parallels there are a ton of similarities a lot of the workouts are very were very similar um and again i just think it was different ways to achieve a, a similar goal and certainly <clears throat> since that time you know the the lines have crossed and, and, and there's a lot that's been um the the similarities have certainly like increased over time and the, the quality of both you know kind of outfits has is, is, is improved over time um and i think you know anybody that's been involved you know throughout the since since 2010 can see how you know things have kind of come together things have improved and the things that we were talking about that the problems that were in crossfit in the beginning i think to some degree like were ironed out over time uh just in the you know in terms of the quality of movement and people always talk about like people in crossfit moving terribly and all this kind of stuff like i look at myself squatting in 2008 and i'm fucking horrified at myself and that had nothing to do with CrossFit. Like I just, you know, I was just not squatting or deadlifting properly. I don't think I ever properly. squatted yet at that point. Right. So it's like people people love to talk shit about other people. But honestly, if you look back at yourself in your training history and if you think you've always moved well, um, you, you're probably going to be mistaken. So, um, you know, I think they got the hard brunt of like, you know, a lot of people talked about the quality of movement. And, and from my experience, actually, in truth, when I went to the CrossFit seminars, which I've done a lot, they were very focused on movement quality. Um, it's just people, what people do with it after the fact that, that, that makes it look bad. Um, and, I, you know, I knew a lot of bodybuilders that moved very badly. So it wasn't like, you know, all the bodybuilders were moving perfectly and all the CrossFit people were moving badly. It wasn't like that at all. So I think we're very, we're very quick to judge and we're very quick to be critical of, uh, of other people in other outfits. But if we take a good look at ourselves, um, we often find that we're uh, we're committing the very crimes that we're, we're critical of. <laughs> Projection, so, but yeah, I certainly think that was that was true of me. So um, I, I like being exposed. I like being um, I like having the experience of oh fuck you're in trouble because you learn you know you learn from those experiences. Um, I don't like being you know critical of, of stuff before I've experienced it. Um, I think it's better to kind of like you know sign up for it and, and see what's see what it's about before you before you start criticizing everything um and you know my experiences with with you know jim jones and crossfit over the years like i've learned a ton by just you know kind of throwing myself in there and say okay let's do this and see what it's about um so since then since 2010 uh, i kind of made it my 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 purpose in life to to become a fully certified jim jones instructor um and this led to my time in in utah uh and in Salt Lake City in my post-college years because we already talked about in the last podcast how I went to university in Salt Lake City um, uh, and I graduated university in, in 2000 so it had been you know 10 years 11 years since I since I'd been and um, luckily my work with Jim Jones took me back there and I was, as I said before I loved Salt Lake City um, I loved Utah um, I was fascinated by the geography of it by the mountains mm-hmm. Um, it just felt like a very a very natural habitat for me. Um, I, I loved spending time there. I looked forward to my 
my escape to the mountains. I, you know, I was living in England at the time, um, working in London. You know, I'd go out to Jim Jones kind of like probably every three or four months, something like that. Um, I'd train with them. I'd go through the seminar process. So, you know, I think in those days there were four, four seminars and uh, that finished with the internship and, and over the course of 2010, 2011, 2012, you know, I became a fully certified instructor by going to the seminars and doing the internship uh, and building building relationships, which is, which is really what I want to talk about. I, I think a lot of time people are fascinated with how did you get from here to there? And so often in my life, whatever it was, it was always just about building relationships, um, communicating with people, um, listening, spending time, uh, following through, doing what you say you're going to do, and just just walking the path. I think so many times people, you know, people say they're going to do things and don't, or you know, half-ass something or don't really commit to it, mm-hmm. and just end up, you know, being frustrated with themselves and not really moving forward because they didn't really throw themselves in. And and with the, with the Jim Jones thing, like I really threw myself into it. Um, I, I made an effort to really build those relationships. I saw a I saw a lot of promise there. I saw a lot of future there. I made a lot of friends there. Like I said, I loved Salt Lake City. I loved Utah. It was a real escape for me to 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 leave the UK and head to the mountains and to to be somewhere completely different that would get me out of my everyday situation. And um, I and I loved it. I would stay in a shitty hotel. Um, so what were you doing in Salt Lake? There was a Jim Jones school there or a gym? Yeah, Jim Jones was based in Salt Lake City. Oh, it was based there. So yeah, they yeah. got you fully so back I would go out. there. I would, I would train at Jim Jones. I would stay in a, in a shitty hotel. Um, and I would fucking love it. Love it. I, all I would do, would, I would just focus on training, eat and sleep. Uh, and that was it. I would go in, I'd get butchered, I'd come home. Uh, and it, yeah, it was, it was a great time. A very kind of like... Um, you know, very kind of like free time in my life as like I didn't have kids, I wasn't married, like it was very kind of like, you know, didn't have too much to worry about, you know, so it was, it was good, didn't have a mortgage to pay all that Modern kind of day stuff. Modern day cowboy, so, you know, yeah, on the was, road training. Yeah, it was, it was a fun time. Um, so yeah, I, I, as I was saying, I, um, I took my time to get my, my full certification at the same time, still doing other stuff. So I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't negating anything else. I was still like doing my like my polygon stuff, my biosignature bio stuff. I was still doing a bunch of CrossFit stuff. Um, I was joining in a lot of like CrossFit worlds with local people. Um, I did my, my a bunch of CrossFit certs, and it was that was all happening at the same time. But it was very much like the Jim Jones the Jim Jones thing was definitely my my priority at the time. And um, once I became a fully certified instructor, uh, I was the first one in Europe because um, at the time we were a relatively small outfit. I think that was probably like at that time there was only like eight eight to 10 instructors in the world. So if that actually. Um, wow. So it was a big, it was a big thing for me. It was a, it was a big, it was a big moment. It was a very proud moment for me. Um, it meant a lot to me. Like a lot of people didn't understand it. I probably wouldn't understand it. But for me, it was, it was, it was an important Thing because it was something that I like. I felt I committed to. I felt I'd, you know, exposed myself and taken the time and spent the money and and worked hard for. Um, so you know, becoming that that first fully certified instructor was a proud moment for me. And you know, like I said, I'd, I'd, I'd built some some great relationships and um, I enjoyed working with those folk. And um, yeah, I uh, I look back on those days with with a lot of fond memories. So it was good times. And of course, you know, it would lead to, to, to bigger things for me. So I became fully certified. Uh, I went back to London. Um, you know, I was still I was still working at uh, Gymbox, um, you know, personal trainer, personal training manager, making decent money, um, living in London, which costs a fortune. <laughs> so I had to make decent money. You know, in a relationship, like I'd, I'd always been in relationships. I was in a relationship then, um, and really thinking to myself, like, well, you know, what's my next, what's my next step here? Like, where, how do I, how do I evolve now? Because, you know, as a personal trainer, and a lot of personal trainers will go through this. It's very hard to get at. Once you start like earning an income, and you're 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 earning money by the hour, and you're booking six, seven, eight, 
10 sessions a day or whatever you're booking, you're, you're getting used to that kind of income, but you're only worth how many hours you can work in the day. Yeah. And you get stuck in that cycle and it's a really hard cycle to break because after a while you're like, you know, what's, what's my evolution here? And, and bear in mind, I've been doing this, you know, for a number of years already. Um, and, you know, I was still in love with training. I, was, I, I loved what I did, but, you know, as in any career, you have to see evolution to some point. So in my brain, I was like, like where do I go from here? Um, and I remember Mark calling me up, Mark Twight, um, and saying, I've got this, this actress uh, they were working on 300 Rise of an Empire, an actress called Lena Headey, um, who a lot of people know from Game of Thrones. She was going to be in London for a, a brief amount of time and uh, needed, needed training because she was working on the, on the movie. And would I, would I train her while she was in London? And she's real quick, Cersei from, uh, from Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I said, of course, yes, I'd love to. <laughs> and, um, you know, that was really my first kind of introduction to, uh to the kind of movie stuff but also like it's shown like a little bit of faith in me that mark would trust me to do such a thing and i was very honored to do that um and i you know obviously i did the, i did the best job i could at that and i think i did a, a pretty good job and um it was a pleasure to work with her she was fantastic and um yeah it was it was a it was a great interaction and it, and it gave me a glimpse of what might be possible in the future um because I think in my head, as and a lot of trainers will go through this, um, the three hundred thing and the Jim Jones thing, it was a fascinating thing, and you can't you can't get away from that. It was like, oh my god, to train actors for a movie. I th I remember distinctly thinking at the time, I cannot think of a better job in the world than training actors for a movie. That would be my like dream. Mm. Like back then, that's what I thought. Um, and when I started working with Lena, it was like that was my my first real real taste of that. And then over, year, over the years, that happened a couple more times with a couple of different people. I worked with a couple of, a couple of actors and a couple of like pop stars in the UK. And, um, and yeah, it, it, kind of, it kind of progressed from there. Um, I ended up leaving uh, Chimbox. Um, I was offered another job at a place called W10 Performance, which was a smaller strength conditioning gym in Notting Hill. Um, I kind of set up this, um, <laughs> I call it my mini Jim Jones. It was like a, it was like a, um, a gym within a gym. So I was kind of in charge of the group training there uh, and they did like a semi-private model. So they had semi-private personal training and then the group training. And then I was in charge of the group training. So, you know, I do all the programming, set it all up, um, uh, coach it. Um, and it was great. Uh, it was, it was very successful. A lot of people came. Um, it was so successful, in fact, that the guy that owned the place was like, thanks for coming in. Thanks for showing me how to do this. I can't afford to pay you anymore, so I'm going to do it myself. Oh. And I was like, okay, dude, fair enough. Like, I get it. Um, you know, it's one of those moments where you're like, you, you, re you really realize you're expendable um, as a yeah, trainer. Hurts, it's like um, people... people like want something from you. Uh, maybe it's knowledge, maybe it's a direction, maybe it's, you know, input, whatever it is. But sometimes once they've got what they need from you, you're kind of like, you're expendable, you're kind of like discarded. So I was like, okay, I get it. Um, so, you know, at that point, I was like, I was still, obviously I was living in London, living in Notting Hill. I was like, it's an expensive place to live. I was like, this is, but this was kind of the first time that ever kind of happened to me where, when I was ever like without a job and thinking, fuck, like, what do I, what do I do now? I can't go backwards. I can't go back to a gym like Gymbox. I've been running my own kind of like thing for a while. Um, I need to be involved in bigger projects. Um, at that point, I'd helped run a couple of seminars with Jim Jones. Like we've done a couple of level twos in the UK. And, um, you know, I was really kind of like thinking, what, what do I do? What do I do? And um, I was offered this job in Kuwait. I know you've done some work in Lived there, Kuwait. worked there, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was to open the strength conditioning gym. They had like a, a, a functioning CrossFit gym already. I forget the name of the gym, to be honest. Oh, you got to tell me now. Dude, I, I, I can't remember. It what was year a, was this? It was a nice CrossFit gym. Oh my God, this is what, 2014. Oh man, we might have crossed paths. Have you made it there? Did you make yeah. it there? I went out. I went out. They flew me out. 
I took a look at the operation. It was great. There were great people. Um, it was fucking hot. <laughs> uh, dude, you um, went during the summer. It's dude, it was a whole different hot. level of hot. Yeah. Especially hot. Ramadan in the summer. Yeah. It was super hot. Um, and the, the, the facility they had was beautiful. Great people. Um, and I, I put together this. So, so they were going to hire me to do this thing. I put together this like all these different strength conditioning programs. So different different methods of strength training. I had like six different programs that I'd written. They were all gonna run simultaneously. It's gonna be a big thing. At that time, I was still living in London. Um, I was in a relationship. Um, I was gonna fly, fly out to Kuwait. I was gonna set myself up there. And then I was gonna fly my girlfriend out. Um, but in the back of my head, I was like, do I really wanna do this? Do I really wanna like move to Kuwait and live in Kuwait? Like, what am I doing? Um, I just was really unsure about my, you know, my choices at the time. Um, and I remember taking a vacation with my girlfriend at the time and her family. And I think we were in Florida. Was oh, wow. Florida? Florida and Kuwait. You're ringing all my bells over here. Yeah, I think we were <laughs> in Florida. And um, I get a call. I get a call from Mark Twight. And I was, I think, two weeks out from Kuwait and he said listen I've got this thing I can't do it I'm involved in something else it's a movie with an actress you'd have to like travel with her um, you'd have to like give up a year of your life go away do this movie like be on set you know it's just something you would be interested in <laughs> I was like fuck yes <laughs> yes I would um, and at that point I didn't even know what it was I was like I don't give a fuck I don't fucking care I'll do anything um, so I said yes I called the QA people I was like sorry I, I just I got this offer I gotta take it it's it's my dream it's like everything to me so I'm gonna do that they were like completely understanding um, and I think in the back of their minds they were like they were somewhat unsure of their own project to be honest so I think it was almost like a a bit of a relief for them as well and um yeah it was it was it was a, a real a real fucking moment for me so i was like this is it this is the moment this is this is it so you know it was a few i can't remember how long from the point of finding out to the point of leaving that that it was but for that period of time i was just like obviously treading water until i was until i was leaving obviously i found out what it was it was it was suicide squad i was going to be the cast trainer I would be with Margot Robbie for a while. Um, I would, you know, train her, travel with her, um, do all her training prep, and then once I once I got to, to set, I'd be working with a few uh, other actors there. So I spent, you know, a good kind of like six months with with Margot, uh, traveling, training, Australia, all around Northern America, and then eventually we ended up in Toronto. Um, and you know, through that process, obviously I had to get a green card. I was, I was traveling, I was working. It was my first real experience of doing that, being paid to travel and, and train and, and work with someone like Margot and be involved in a movie. And, you know, it was really just, I felt very, very fortunate, very, very lucky, very, very proud and very kind of like, this is what I'm meant to be doing. It was one of those like moments of like this is what I was meant to be doing <laughs> you know there was there was one other moment when I felt like that in my life and it was um when I first got that uh, in the last podcast I talked to you about that that soap opera I got in the UK when I was an actor <laughs> and I remember because that show filmed in Liverpool in England and I remember waking up one morning and um going in for my first day of filming thinking this is what I'm meant to do with my life this is what I meant I meant to wake up and I meant to go in and I meant to film scenes. This is what I meant to do. <laughs> Turned out that wasn't true. It wasn't what I was meant to do. But I had that same feeling here. It's like, this is what I meant to do. <laughs> I meant to be training with actors, doing movies. I love this shit. Um, so I spent a good, uh, like like I said, a good six months with Margot, who was fantastic. Um, her family was so good to me. Um, great experience. Um, you know, has its difficulties traveling with, a, with an actor or an actress. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's hard on them. It's hard on you, but you know, you know, I've always be grateful and always be, you know, super appreciative of the opportunity that I had to do that. And, um, 
and then once I got to Toronto, uh, once filming started, you know, I got to work with, with some other actors as well who came into the fold. Um, Joel Kinnaman, uh, Carl Delevingne, Scott Eastwood, um, a bunch of different actors. And also, um, the, the, the real thing with Toronto was I, you know, met the rest of the crew and started working with the crew and started training the crew. And it became a real, you know, a real, uh, training hub. And it was, you know, we always joked that it was like the first time like a crew had actually gotten fitter during a filming process <laughs> um, because it was a brutal shoot. A lot of the shoots on Suicide Squad were at night. Um, the temptation obviously was to like not get much sleep, eat badly, you know, not exercise. But everyone was like, everyone came to the gym, everyone trained. We had a great setup. We had a beautiful gym. Um, everyone would come in. I'd, I'd do a, a few sessions a day. Some crew would come in before. Uh, we started filming some crew after I trained various actors throughout the day, um, and it was just a, it was just a great energy, a great group of people. Um, I was very fortunate to meet some some really good individuals who you know took me under their wing and kind of like took care of me because it was my first film. Obviously, um, they were very very good to me. Um, people like Liam Muldoon, uh, Clay Enos, who was a photographer. Leanne was um, uh, public relations um, and, um, you know, a bunch of different people who, you know, I would help, they would help me, they would, um, you know, just make sure that, like, I was headed in the, doing the right things, heading in the right direction because I needed, I needed, like, guidance as well of, like, how to navigate this kind of film situation because it was, was new to me. Um, so they helped me a great deal, you know. I got I got to meet uh, obviously you know David Ayer who directed the movie. Um, he would come in, um, and I got to work with David afterwards as well. Um, and yeah, just like a bunch of a bunch of great people who, you know, it was just it was just a, a really interesting experience for me. Um, training was great. You know, people got in such great shape. I'll never forget like the, the the transformations that people went through. And it really was people always like ask what the what the secret to training is and all it really is was consistency. People were coming in every day, working hard. You know, we had some amazing, you know, actors aside, like just, just people in the crew, the, the amount of people who got themselves in great shape. I remember Andy Horitz, who was one of the producers, got in incredible shape. Um, and it was a real, it was a real community, a real kind of fitness community within a film community. Mm -hmm. um, and... Um, yeah, what a what a what a great time, what a great experience, and what a fortunate position I was in to be to be involved in that in that in that world. Um, I remember like living in Toronto, uh, living in downtown Toronto, which was a wonderful city. I love my time in right. Toronto. Um, production got me a truck. I fucking love trucks. Um, <laughs> drive my truck to work, working out, training people, coming home to my my apartment in Toronto, and just like it was just it was just the best. It was just such a again such a kind of like free time um you know they took care of me I, I you know financially it was good and um experience wise it was good and i was learning all the time um and it was yeah it was it was a really fantastic experience um and of course there were problems along the way as there always are um i had my moments where i was like i i had self-doubt and i had um you know you know anxiety of am i doing the right thing um you know you have moments where you you're insecure about what you're doing like and i'll say that to anybody like you no matter what you do you will always have insecurities you will always have self-doubt um you'll never be perfect at anything and i certainly wasn't perfect and there are there are situations when i look back i think i wish i'd done that differently i wish i'd done that differently um but they're all lessons and i learned some great lessons there like throughout that whole filming process i learned some really valuable lessons for the future um and um yeah like i said i'll always be grateful for it it was it was a wonderful time in my life and um it's uh it, it stays with me now and i think about that time uh, very fondly um but you know the film stuff as good as good as it is and it is kind of like a fantastic experience once it ends of course you have the the problem of what do you do now and at that time obviously i didn't have i didn't have anywhere to go to i didn't have a I didn't have a gym. I didn't have a you know a community outside of that film community anymore. So I was like, "What the hell do I do now?" So 
at the end of production, Andy Horitz, who was one of the producers, were like, you know, do you ever think about setting up a gym in LA? And I was like, well, fucking, I'd love to, but I've never, I've never even really been to LA. I don't, I don't know, you know, I, I, I briefly been like with Margot for something, but I never spent any time here. I didn't know much about it. Um, but we kind of like loosely said, like, let's look into it. And I remember Andy bought um, a bunch of the, the gym that we had in Toronto. He, he bought a bunch of the stuff and uh, put it in storage with loosely the idea of like in the future, maybe we'll open something in, in Los Angeles. So, you know, that experience was done. I went traveling for a short while after just around the US. Um, I, I lo- I've always loved the US. I've always loved especially traveling around the US. I love road trips. Um, nothing better for me than a good road trip and a, uh, road trip and a truck, um, except maybe on a motorcycle. But um, so I did that for a while um, and then I kind of knew that this this next job was coming up. Now, after after traveling the, the US, I, I went back to the UK and um, I um, I sat in the UK for a while. Actually, before that, yeah. So after after Suicide Squad wrapped, mm-hmm. I came to I I came to LA. I came to LA. And I met a group of people. I stayed in Los Feliz, just down the road from here. And I trained in a gym in Los Feliz. And I met a group of people that I'm still friends with now, one of whom is Jeff Scarborough, my old business partner. And um, I started to I started to kind of, kind of like build relationships at that point. But I knew I'd be leaving. So I knew I wasn't like, here, this is it. I knew I'd be leaving because I had this other job that I'd been kind of like offered slash working on. Um, and that job was Wonder Woman. Um, so I knew it was kind of like on the horizon and I knew I kind of would be doing it. I had to negotiate it. Um, and then I knew I'd be, you know, going back to the UK for that. But I thought to myself, I'll go to LA. I'll kind of like get my bearings a little bit. Um, See if see what see what see what's about see what's up there, and then and then you know go back to the UK. So um, I did that, uh, and then eventually, God, what year is this now? I guess this is 2016, 2017? 2015. Still 2015. 2015, 2016. Was, was one woman shot in the UK? Yeah, shot in the UK. Okay. Yeah, I think 20, 2015 we started. Um, so I went back to the UK, um, and it was shooting in place called Leaveston, which is near Watford. Um, so I flew back, uh, went to the hotel that they uh, set me up in, um, and met Mark in 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 London in, in Leaveston. And um, he'd already been on the project for for an, a couple of months, I think, at that point. And I joined him there, and we started uh, working on the on the Wonder Woman film, um, and it was. The first phase of it was actually finding the finding the the girls that would play the Amazons. So it was kind of like a casting process, and the, the physical training was part of the, the the casting process. So, you know, the casting directors would like find the, the people that they thought they wanted to be the Amazons, and then they come to us for like physical testing. Like, are they capable of doing this kind of thing? Um, we would do like physical, you know, I guess you'd call them tests, but just like workouts and and see how they fared and i remember the um obviously the stunt team would do like the sword fighting and that kind of stuff and see how they could coordinate that kind of stuff and then we would do them all the physical stuff like you know did, did they have the physical capability to do what was what was going to be necessary and that kind of thing um and it would be like the classic you know the classic stuff a lot of like what we do in Faros. so you know classic you know, deadlift squats bench press mm-hmm. circus get-ups wobbles like everything that we do in here uh, and just see how they could um you know handle that kind of work and that kind of working out and you know how, how well they responded to to um instruction and direction all that kind of stuff um and yeah so we 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 started that process and, and we helped we helped cast or we we gave our input to the, the the casting people and um and yeah and then and then training began once they kind of like 
whittled the numbers down to who they thought they wanted to be the, the Amazons. Um, pro, uh, we, we started training them, um, and the, again, this was a this was a long a long process. Um, we were in Leavesden for I think three months training, and um, you know, really, I, I remember distinctly thinking to myself, "This is kind of like the three hundred for women." Because it was like you had a big ensemble, big cast, who needed to be like in great physical shape, both performance-wise and aesthetically. Um, and if you've ever seen the, uh, have you seen the Wonder Woman film? Have you seen the beach scene with the Amazons at the beginning? I have not. I've not seen either. There's the okay. new one too. The so, 84 is the second one, right? 1984. Yeah. Don't worry about that one. The first one. <laughs> <laughs> the first one. The beach scene. Um, that kind of scene brought it all together for me. When I saw that scene, I was like, yes. Because the, the goal was like, you know, you had a group of women who looked very strong and very capable and just that kind of like amazing coming together of, of the, the strength of, of women and uh, you know, the capability and uh, the magic of, of, of mar- the, the, the magical marriage of like movie meets reality meets, you know, everything like, you've been preparing for all mm. coming together on the, on the screen. Uh, and the girls looked incredible. Uh, they did so well. Um, you know, the training process really was incredible. Um, we would train, uh, me and Mark would train them, you know, I think we had them for like three hours a day um, when we were in, uh, in Leaveston. Um, going through like, obviously every day would be like, different emphasis in training, just like we, we do at Faros. And um, them just wholeheartedly committing to the process, um, both in terms of training, in terms of nutrition. You know, we 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 program the nutrition from down to the, the the calorie and the macronutrient. They knew exactly the numbers they had to hit. They were so good. Um, I can't I can't emphasize enough how much how much great work they did and how much how well they responded to training and how enthusiastic they were and what a what a privilege it was to work with those people. I think you mentioned on the other podcast, like there was one of your favorite yeah, sets because, and everything. Because everybody's you know, t- together, they have the same message, working yes. to the same goal. I remember it's just all feeling that sense of excitement. of like, this is our moment, you know? Um, and, and especially for, for a lot of the girls, it was like their moment. A lot of them was their first like big movie. And, um, you know, that just like, oh my God, this is this is a real opportunity. Mm. And not just for them, but for, I felt like it was the first time that women had been presented on screen in that way to that degree. Um, because it was women with muscles, women with, you know, that kind of appearance and that kind of ability all put together on screen together in like one proud moment kind of thing. And I think it was very, very exciting to be involved in that in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just this sense of energy and excitement and um, and just like everyone just so grateful for the opportunity you know and, and none of us taking it for granted like I I was so you know so privileged to be part of it um, and yeah um, and leaves them for, a, for at least three months and then we we went to Italy we we shot the a lot of the scenes in Italy uh, and trained in Italy uh, Almalfi Coast uh, and a place called Matera. Um, Matera was this like oldie waldy Italian town, which was like a village in the in the in the cliffs that you know houses were like literally built into the into the side of the cliffs and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was incredible, um, and you know traveling around with that that crew. And I, this is something I meant to say before with the Suicide Squad thing if you ever get to you know if you're a trainer listening to this you ever get to work on a film there's a big difference between what you can do pre-production and what you can do during production pre-production you can get a lot of work done you know you can get a lot of good time with with the actors and actresses and you can get a lot of uh, good um you, you get great results because you have the time once filming starts the amount of time you get with people is is greatly reduced because they're on set you know 10 hours a day whatever it is you know it's hard to train in those circumstances. So, you know, the, the bulk of the work has to be done before. And then once filming starts, you're really just trying to maintain, you're just trying to you know, hold on to the look that you've achieved. Um, 
and it's hard when you're you know you're traveling around you're like we were building like makeshift gyms here and there just just kind of putting together whatever we could to, to make it work um i remember like we, we had this like great like i think it was a restaurant that we converted into a gym and i managed to get <laughs> some equipment shipped there um and it was next to a but there was a track next to it so I, I, maybe it was a kind of some kind of like old sports center or something but um we managed to get enough equipment there to, to make it work and um you know i had a great a great a great team there a great group of people again a ton of support from the from the from the production crew and um yeah just another great 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 experience um and some great you know there's some really really good athletes amongst those women on that on that shoot as well so it was it was a privilege to be amongst those people you know some of those girls were training me as much as i ever trained them right <laughs> you know yeah yeah but it was it, it was it was fantastic and um again i'll always be super grateful for the opportunity um just like with suicide squad it had some great highs it had some lows it had some difficult difficult moments um but again like i said you learn from all of them um and um you you take you take that with you you, you take what you learn um both the negative and the positive and you 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 try and build towards the future um so you know at that point the the wonder woman film ends um i come back to london and again i'm like actually i went back to yellow white after that um i know how long i no longer had a place in london um i was like i don't want to go back to london i'm trying to think what my my uh my brain was thinking at the time yeah i moved from leaveston back to the isle of Wight, and i was i was staying with my brother actually i went back and i stayed with my brother on the island i was dealing with a bunch of personal stuff at the time as well which was difficult um but i really didn't know what i was going to do at that point you know i'd done suicide squad i'd done one woman um and i was thinking to myself you know what what do i do next and of course in the back of my mind i was like i got this la thing like i i still want to do something there um i you know i don't really want to stay in england like i feel like i've done my time here i've done my time in london you know i, I looked into maybe like building something on the other white but you know it just wasn't you know there just wasn't going to be enough there for me so i was i was trying to find my way back here and um i uh i remember booking the flight um i think it happened in two two phases i remember booking a flight to america um and coming out meeting a bunch of people meeting jeff again uh meeting my now wife emily um starting having conversations about opening a gym um it's sort of becoming more of a reality like more of a possibility like maybe this is something i can do um spending i think six weeks here something like that um getting my bearings making contacts building relationships were you staying with john at this point too huh were you saying this is before this is before john before john yeah this is is (laughs) pre-john um at this point i'm like staying in airbnbs and staying on couches and stuff and just trying to like like i said just get my bearings just trying to meet people the people that i met at that point are still my friends here now like it was the it was the time where i was like okay this is where i'm gonna this is where i'm gonna set up then i went back to the uk um and then you know but kept those relationships going kept the conversations happening spent another spent another couple of months in the uk and then booking my next flight back to america and i i remember this point distinctly i remember getting on a plane from england sitting in the seat and saying to myself i am not coming back to this country until i've built something for myself I remember thinking to myself, "This is it. It's now or never. You're either gonna you're either gonna build this gym in LA, or I don't know what. But this is the moment. This, this it has to happen now, and you have to commit to it. 
Um, just like I thought to myself back when I started that work with Jim Jones in the very beginning, it's like, you're going to commit to this, you're going to go through this process and it's going to happen. That's how I felt on this plane. People talk about, um, people talk about, you know, change and uh, wanting to change like a direction in their life or wanting to do something different with their life. And I think sometimes it doesn't happen because it's just a lack of commitment. Like at that point on that plane, I was fully fucking committed to coming here and doing something and I was willing to sacrifice everything. At that point, I built up a good amount of savings um, from from the movie stuff and, and I was willing to fucking risk it all on making something happen here and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I lost all that money. <laughs> but, but um, you know, from, from that point, you, you kind of know the story of Ferris and stuff which we'll get to later. But, um, you know, for me, there are there are definitely moments in your life where it's like, either fucking go for it or stop it. And for me, that was the point where I was like, okay, this is it. You've been talking about America since you were a kid. You've already you've got the green card because you had it from. Uh, had it, I still have my green card from Suicide Squad. Um, you have an opportunity here. You've started to cultivate relationships. You have some savings. You have the experience in the fitness world. You've got some, you know, some some useful contacts. Um, and if you just trust yourself, and if you just work hard, most importantly, if you just work hard, you can make this fucking happen. So do it. Um, and here we are, four years later. <laughs> no, I love that. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll end that one here and um, we'll be back with you for, uh, for part three of this, this kind of story. Um, thanks, for, uh, thanks for listening on this. It's, it's kind of interesting for me to go back and kind of reminisce this stuff. And um, you know, some of this stuff, like, I've forgotten or I thought I'd forgotten and I'm kind of remembering it as I go. <laughs> it's inter- interesting for me to do that. So uh, thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. Um, thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, remember, we are now fully open at 1316 Glendale Boulevard, Farrah's uh, Athletic Club. Um, and we have uh, some uh, more great news for you coming up soon. So until next time, take Mask care. Mask without a vaccine. With the vaccine. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mask with a vaccine. Everyone's here. Everyone's having a great time. And it's, it's great to be back live with everybody. Um, I will catch you real soon, guys. Take care.